0: The Bible is made up of 66 books, there's 40 different authors, and it covers 1,600 years of history, and yet there is one story that emanates from this text, from this word, and that is God's plan for salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. The Bible is the most controversial book that has ever existed. Men have died for it. Empires have crumbled because of it. Families have been divided over it. But how do you know you can trust it? This week's free download, Four Reasons You Can Trust the Bible, pulls from dozens of hours of research and shares four compelling evidences for reliability of the Bible, including fast facts about its authorship, accuracy, and reliability. It also includes a timeline following the formation of the Bible, a chart of 38 biblical prophecies fulfilled in detail, and a table comparing the religious texts of the major world religions. You'll learn why you can trust the Bible is indeed God's Word, and find renewed confidence and excitement to seek God in the Scriptures. Get your copy at ltw.org slash candid. Now on to today's topic. Today I want to talk about the authenticity of the Word of God. This is uh, often up for debate, um, particularly with scholars, but Also, with really anyone who wants to cast doubt on the Christian faith, the validity of the Christian faith, because our faith is so tied in and dependent upon the Word of God, the best way to attack it is to undermine the authority of our authority. And so a lot of questions come up. questions of, wasn't this written for political advantage? Wasn't this just written by men? It doesn't have any authority from God. Um, And so I wanted to just take a few moments with you to kind of think through um, what is it that makes Scripture authoritative? What is it that makes it what it is? And one of the first things that comes to my mind is just the diversity of God's Word, With diversity, you would think, comes doubt. How could all of these people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, from different regions of an area, but still different regions, different cultures, different vocations, and different time periods, how could all of these people still have in common this truth, this one thread that runs through The Bible is made up of 66 books. There's 40 different authors, and it covers 1,600 years of history. And yet there is one story that emanates from this text, from this word, and that is God's plan for salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. If anyone or anything could keep a cohesive message or a cohesion of message from all of that diversity, wouldn't it be God? I don't know if man is actually smart enough to create a message with that kind of cohesion over that kind of time period with a diversity of people. You'd think there would be a desire for whatever that particular person wanted, uh, it, it was to gain some advantage, and yet that doesn't seem to be the case here. It seems to be a constant proclamation of the truth of God and elevating God and his character and showing the wicked sinfulness of man. How else do you explain fulfilled prophecy? There's 300 messianic prophecies found in the Old Testament, that are fulfilled in Christ. Just to think of a few. Born in Bethlehem, Micah 5 2, of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, preceded by a prophet, who was John the Baptist, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, rejected by his people, Isaiah chapter fifty three verse three, betrayed by a friend. Psalm forty one verse nine, sold for thirty pieces of silver. Zechariah eleven verses twelve and thirteen, pierced even though crucifixion had not yet been invented. Psalm twenty two and verse sixteen, and Isaiah fifty three five, buried with the rich. Isaiah fifty three nine, and raised from the dead. Psalm sixteen ten. The likelihood of one person fulfilling. Eight prophecies, just eight, is one in ten to the 17th power. I don't even know if I can do that sort of math. And yet, that's just for eight. And yet, Jesus fulfilled hundreds more of these prophecies from hundreds, thousands of years before his coming to earth in the form of a man. Then we think about the, the historicity of the text itself. The the New Testament has 23,000, almost 24,000 manuscripts with the earliest dating to the year 130 AD, 100 years after the events took place. Consider Homer's Iliad, which only has 1,800 manuscripts as compared to 24,000. Most of the documents from antiquity only have a dozen or so manuscripts, and often hundreds, if not thousands of years from their origin date to the date of what that current, most recent text is. So, you know, why is it that Scripture is always looked under with a, a heavier microscope, um, magnifying glass? Why is it—and I suppose it's because these texts are trying to speak into our lives— And the question is whether we are open to receiving them uh, for what they are, or do we reject them because we know this text says something about who we are, what we're made of, and about our origin, um, what we're called to do. And a lot of these other historic documents don't tend to do that, and so I feel like people don't tend to critique, criticize them as much. But as as soon as a text comes in and says something about you and who you are, we want to criticize it because we don't want to feel the shame. We don't want to feel uh, burdened. And then we have people who have come along and misinterpreted Scripture, and they know there's elements of truth, and they twist it, and they make it say what they want it to say. And yet, even through all of that, God's Word remains. And there's always been a faithful remnant who's remained true to it. We continue to think about the historicity, and we think about the Qumran caves uh, near the Dead Sea when a a young boy was just throwing rocks, and, and one of the rocks went, and it sort of fell into this cave and made a a large clunk sound, and he realized, throwing that rock, he's discovered something. Uh, And then in the the 40s and 50s, they realized that there's these scrolls that are 941 ancient scrolls that had been buried in these caves and kept safe, 240 of which were biblical texts dating from 250 B.C. to the year 68 A.D., And what these Dead Sea Scrolls show us is the drastic similarities between the original texts. For example, the Qumran copy of Isaiah in 125 BC, which predated the earliest known copy of Isaiah by a thousand years. And what it showed us is the accuracy of the copying method that was being utilized. In fact, I've been told that Um, in some of those ancient texts, the, the biblical texts, that they went to such painstaking lengths to make sure that there was accuracy so that if a copier made one error, one error, they would destroy the entire copy document of which they had been working on, and they'd have to start all over again with such meticulous detail. What about the people who chose what was in and what was out of the Bible, in particular the New Testament. you know, some people say that, the, that at the Council of Nicaea in 367 AD, held by Constantine, it, it was a political thing. It was a way of the church exerting its force, uh, beginning to use its influence. Uh, it was really a power grab. When in reality, a hundred years before that meeting, over a hundred years before that meeting, early church fathers were already regarding the 27 books of the New Testament that we now have as the New Testament scripture. They had already decided, and because of the the circulation of the letters from Paul and Peter that had been going around, they were already the 27 letters, accounts, books that were held as the New Testament canon, the New Testament scripture. The Council of Nicaea was merely ratifying what was already known and held to and it was also to fight over some of the uh wrong views of uh, of theology of doctrine that were taking place. And so through all this we see that there's this one message that's coming through. Through a diversity of writers and backgrounds, there's a, a fulfillment of prophecy and there's a historicity. And so I think when we have these debates with people when we're discussing issues of faith and uh, uh even in our evangelism we need to hold true to what god's word says and it's not giving up the authenticity of the word because if you give up that authenticity you've probably already begin to lose your argument at that point because this is the 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 core of what we know and believe And it's important that we understand that it's been tested, it's been shown true, it's uh, been—even the impact it's had in your life, you can testify to, but it it still has true origins. It's not been tampered with, and we have the historical evidence to show that. And so I want you to have great confidence in this Word of God, which gives us life, gives us authority and power— over the realms, the demonic realms, over, uh, over the things that come in our life because they speak truth to us. They remind us that we have a great God who has a great purpose and plan for us and a great Savior in Jesus Christ. And we have his Spirit who indwells us, who has opened our spiritual eyes. And so our prayer is that you would continue to have this great confidence in his word and that you would go forth believing it, trusting it, studying it, And applying it to your life. Thank you for joining me today to take a deeper dive into why we can trust the Bible. One thought in closing, I am staggered by the statistic I mentioned earlier. The likelihood of one person fulfilling only eight prophecies in the Old Testament is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, and yet Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. Think about that. Let that sink in. And for more astounding facts, make sure you get your free download at ltw.org slash candid. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit ltw.org slash candid to connect with these pages, share your questions with me, and get this week's free download. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Thanks for listening.